So we hope that you've had a good week. We're looking forward to our time together in the Word today as we continue this series, Why Did Jesus Come? We're going to be here in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible and want to turn there, that'd be great. We'll be there in just a few minutes, all right? Hebrews 2. Uh, this will also be echoed in 1 John 3, although we won't be there. But you'll see uh, some of the same wording, terminology there, the same thought process uh, between these two authors. So why did Jesus come? All right, last week we talked about that he came as a confirmation of the promises of God. Right? And we, a lot of times we think about the manger, like the picture up there uh, on the wall. We think about the shepherds and the angels and the wise men, and that's definitely part of it. That's how he came. But why did he come? Right, what are some of the reasons that he came? And so what we're looking at are just five reasons that he came through the month of December, hoping and praying and asking God to revive in us again, refresh in us uh, the true meaning behind why he came. All right, so last week we talked about promises, the confirmation of those promises. Today we're talking about the conqueror. All right, confirmation and the conqueror. So as we begin here, you guys can talk back with me a little bit. What comes to mind when you think of the word conquer? Take control, okay? Defeat. Conquer. Don't hesitate to answer. Member or guest today, feel free to participate. Take over. To win? Yeah. Victory. What is it? Finally. Finally. Yeah. Like to overcome, kind of like I've conquered it. Yeah. So have you experienced some conquering in your life before? Where you've found some victories? Where once there were defeats or where you found uh, maybe you've just been able to trust God through a difficulty and he's helped you overcome um, Lots of examples we could give you today of conquering. I'll give you a few here as we begin, but uh, when you think about the word conquer, that's what's going to be driving this thought today. All right, so one of the reasons that he came was to be a conqueror, and that word conquer means to defeat, to eliminate, to overcome, to be victorious. And so if you look that up in a dictionary, that's some of the words that you'd find. You guys have given us some, some feelings or examples of conquering. So sometimes we think of war when we think of conquer. Right? So this country's been conquered by that country. They've been taken over. And that's one of the phrases that you guys have shared here this morning. You might also think of a sport. I know a few of you in here are sports fans. So one team conquered another. They defeated them. Right? They won whatever the game was that they were playing. They've been conquered. When you think of conquered, do you think of it like it just barely happened? Is it a marginal victory? No, usually when you think of conquered, it's just like it's an overwhelming defeat, right? There's no question about it. This side conquered, and this side was conquered. And it's just, it's split very clearly. So it's not a marginal win. It's not a marginal defeat. It's, it's large. Uh, you might think of somebody who overcomes a specific weakness or maybe a deficiency like in, in your own character. I finally conquered that bad habit. You know, so when I stub my toe, I just, I don't blurt out what's in my head anymore. Maybe I conquered it by just keeping it to myself. Or when somebody cuts me off in traffic, 
I used to ride their bumper because I felt like I was justice. I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying in general, all right? And so now you just back off a little bit and you say, well, maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they need to get somewhere quicker than I do, right? So I've conquered maybe that reactive spirit in my life, and I'm hoping that you've conquered some of these things with God's help in your life as well. Maybe you think of it that way. Or conquer can also mean like um, to, to have reached the top. When you think of somebody like climbing Mount Everest, right? They conquered the mountain. And they've got t-shirts that say that. I conquered Everest, right? What that means is they got to the top. They were able to hike all the way there. So the mountain didn't win. They won, so to speak. They got to the top of that mountain. So these are all examples of what it means to conquer, but today what we're looking at is the conquer, the conquest of all conquests, the capital C conqueror, okay? And we're going to find him in Hebrews chapter 2. So if you're there, we're going to look from verses 14 to 18 um, and try to get our minds around why Jesus came. Listen, this couldn't possibly be bigger. Cardinals, Cubs, that's pretty big, right? Both sides probably say, we don't care if, if we have a great season as long as we beat the other team, right? That's kind of how we measure our season. So maybe we didn't make it to the playoffs, but at least we always beat the Cubs, right? We feel good about that, okay? That's a small, really small conquering, right? Th this couldn't get any bigger. And so I don't know how to say it any more clearly. You know, I heard a lady share a story Friday night. And she said in four minutes something I won't be able to say in 40 minutes this morning. It was just awesome, like God speaking through her in just a very simple shared word. Um, you want me to try four minutes? I'll try to get there as close as I can this morning. All right, but Hebrews 2 is where we're going to be. And the writer here initially, when you back up before verse 14, you see he's trying to help us understand uh, the incarnation of Christ, like God taking on flesh, okay? And so there was reason behind that, like the sacrifice to cover sins had to be human. So animals were never sufficient, right? They never took care of sin. They just covered over it for a time until the Lamb of God would come, all right? So flesh would die for flesh is how God predetermined that things would work. And so here you've got God coming in the flesh, and one of the reasons that we're looking at here today is that he came to conquer. And so he shared a lot of the same experiences. He's breathed you know, the same air, walked the same planet, all those sorts of things. And yet he did it in a way that was overwhelmingly victorious. And so let's go here today. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to read the last five verses of that chapter. Right? So you can follow along in your Bible. Um, or you can follow along on the wall today as well as the text is there. And as always, if you don't have a Bible... We would love to, uh, love to get one for you that you could make your own. All right, so let's share and read this together. You can follow as I read this morning. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, speaking of Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And in so doing, he would free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God 
and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted as well. And so we want to look through these five verses today as we try to understand, again, why did he come? Last week was for confirmation of promises. Today we're talking about the conquering. Right? He came to conquer, and in so doing, he's brought a lot of relief, a lot of hope, a lot of joy. And I hope that's what we leave with here today, uh, those sorts of things. So three things we'll highlight here as we progress through this text. And the first one is this. Jesus came, as we just said, to destroy the power of the devil. Uh, so as God, Jesus is God, correct? Teaching says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so we've got this picture of the eternality of Christ. He's always been, and God cannot die. Okay, so when Jesus died on the cross, God did not die. He's always lived. He always will live. When you and I die physically, we're not done. There's not a time gap or a time lapse. We never cease to exist. Now, we're not eternal because we've not always been, right? But we will have some sort of eternal existence beyond the start of our life. Jesus has always been, always will be, couldn't die as spirit, and so takes on flesh because flesh has to suffer and die to redeem flesh. And so he's always been. Uh, but here we're talking about how Jesus came to destroy. He came to destroy the power of the devil. And that word destroy is a good word. Right? Like we said earlier, this is not, this doesn't bring up the idea of um, just I barely won. You ever been part of a team that just barely won? We barely lost yesterday. All right? So I don't feel like we got destroyed. But I've seen some teams here recently who've been beat bad. Right? And they feel like, man, I've probably been destroyed. Like, this was not fun. It was over before it started. Right? That's the concept here. Jesus didn't just one-up Satan. Right? He didn't just barely overcome the power of the devil. He has broke the power of Satan is what the text says. And here I'm using the word destroy. So it's not temporarily out of commission. See us again later when we kind of regroup and we're superpowered as Satan and his army? Nope. This is an utter defeat destroyed once and for all through the coming and ultimate death of Christ. And so let's read it here. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. What does that mean? Sir? That the incarnation. That's he came, right? We're talking about why did Jesus come? He too shared in their humanity. He came so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. All right? And so he's going to break it. And it's that utterly destroyed brokenness. It's complete. Now, here the devil is described as having the power of death. So let's make sure we interpret this correctly. This does not mean that he can bring death whenever he so chooses. He does not have that sort of power. What it means is that he's the author of sin. He's the one who introduced sin. I was reading this week and I never really thought about Satan as being the first sinner. Now that may have made sense to you a long time ago. He didn't bring sin into the world. That was through Adam and Eve. But I, he was the first rebeller, right? 
And so he's got this rebellious heart. He tempts Eve and Adam to sin, and they do so. What comes through sin? For the wages of sin is death. Okay? So he's the introducer of sin. He's the seducer of our hearts, which ultimately leads to death. And the thing is, he's still working to draw people into sin. You ever find yourself drawn into sin? Participating in sin, you're like, man, how did I get here? Right? What did I do to walk out of position of victory and find myself giving into this sin? What happened in my life? The thing is, we're still drawn by that human nature, that sin nature, to sin. Now, what this text is telling us, though, it does not have to be the case. Right? Before Christ comes and before there's a death, there's a power of Satan where he wields himself through his demons, where he works on our sin nature to draw us and lure us into sin. And he's doing that all over this planet right now. But simply because the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, that is the incarnation, that is why did Jesus come? He came in part initially to conquer. And he starts by conquering the power of Satan. And that's a good place to start because that's what we need. I need a conqueror. I need a confirmer, we talked about last week, but I need a conqueror as well, somebody who can overcome this thing that's leading to death in my life. And so he destroyed death by death. You know that song that we sing here, Christ is Risen? The chorus of it says, Christ is risen from the dead. Another good word here. Trampling over death, how? By death. Trampling over death by death. That's just the word picture of death was destroyed. It was over before it got started when Jesus came. All right? And so through his incarnation, the power of Satan is going to be broken. And that can be the reality for every person on the planet. Now, he still works to seduce. He still works to lure. But for those who know Christ as their Savior, he doesn't have to win. That means you and I get to live from a position of what? Victory. Remember that old hymn, Victory in Jesus? Right? That should be our song, our anthem every day. Not necessarily those exact words, but we should live from a position of victory. Because I never, ever have to succumb. I never have to give in. The power of Satan has been broken in my life. The chain has been broken. And that's part of why Jesus came. He started at the point where he needed to start here to conquer Satan. And that's going to bring on some really awesome Results And so let's look at that here secondly this morning. He came to destroy the power of the devil. But through that, then he's going to remove the fear of death. Anybody afraid of dying? Nobody. Good. If that's the case, if that's true, then that means we're walking tight. We walk with clarity. We have the true picture of the whole picture of life. And I hope that's the case this morning. But if not, let's try to understand it a little bit. So he came to remove the power of death. Now, to be clear, the Bible teaches that everyone will die. Right? That's not what this says. It doesn't say that he came to remove death. Everyone will die. So have we created the Christmas spirit in you yet? Just, uh, you know, that, ah, Christmas. I hope it will enter in here as we uh, progress this morning though. So in the same letter that we're talking about the power has been broken over sin, in the same letter where it says 
the fear of death is removed. It also says it's appointed unto men once to die. Everybody on the planet dies until Christ returns. And history records that, right? There's nobody walking the planet who was walking it in the 1700s. They're not here anymore. Were they here in the 1700s? Yes. And if Jesus tarries, we won't be walking here in the 2200s. Right? Because it's appointed unto man wants to die. I mean, the Bible's clear. It's plain. It's simple. It resonates. And we're looking for answers in all sorts of odd directions sometimes as a culture or world. But Scripture makes it clear. Everybody dies. It's been that way from the beginning. It'll be that way until Christ returns. So everybody has a death appointment. Merry Christmas. But Christ didn't come to remove death. See, death isn't our enemy. That is for those who are believers. He came to remove the fear of death. So let's read it. All right, so verse 14 was telling us that he came to defeat the power of Satan and in so doing to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The fear of death. Now, Sometimes people say, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just afraid of the matter, okay? What's the process? How I'm going to die? And what we all hope is that there's like this real sweet spirit and this angel that just meets us while we're in la-la land in the middle of the night and we just get to, shh, what is it? We inhale here and we exhale in heaven. Just kind of, that's a beautiful, peaceful picture, isn't it? And for some people, that's their experience. But we also know of people where death has been a real struggle. And it's been long. And it's been hard. And it's been difficult to watch. And it's been difficult to support. And it's been challenging to our faith. Right? And where we start to fear like, I don't want to go like that. Can I share a fear with you? Here's a fear that I pray for, for me. I'm afraid of being treated as a pastor, a Christian follower of Christ, the way some pastors and leaders have been treated all around this world. Beheading scares me. And that's a reality for some of our Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, so that's just me being honest, Right? Uh, when I read these stories, being shot, that doesn't really seem to bother me. When you think about how others have been martyred for their faith, I don't want to go into all of that, but how some of the disciples were martyred and how other Christians have been treated is just like, I don't know, I don't know how they endure that. I don't want to go like that. And so I would say probably most of us are like that, right? Okay, if I have a little pain and a heart attack and die, okay. But if there's going to be some torture, if there's going to be some extreme persecution, I have a little bit of fear about that death. And what Jesus came to tell me is that I broke the power of Satan in your life and I've done so, son, daughter. Why? To remove that fear of death. 
See, when I look around, I get nervous sometimes. But when I look in the Word and when I let myself kind of be soaked in what's true, all right. Paul was abused, stoned, left for dead, naked, hungry, thrown overboard of a ship, left to drown. That all sounds horrifying. And God walked with him every step of the way. And he said, I've finished. I fought hard and I finished. I don't know if Paul had fear. We don't read a whole lot of his story in those terms. But that gives me hope. That the God who sent his son to break the power of sin has also the same God who sent his son to deliver us from the fear of how we're going to die. Not just that we're going to face death. You know, fear is natural. Faith is the supernatural, right? It's the confidence that God's going to see me through whatever this is, and he's going to walk with me hand in hand as I make my way through it. You know, sometimes when you're dealing with, you know, people in their moment of loss, they view as death as the enemy. Like, how dare you take this person from me? But from God's perspective, for those who believe, right, is it the psalmist who wrote and said that death in God's sight is precious. Like, he views this as sweet. This is a good thing. Because all it is, it's just the doorway from which we walk from this life to the eternal life. And we can do that with joy and confidence in the one who's defeated death, broke the power of not only Satan, but fear in our life. I want to read you a quote here from a gentleman you've probably heard of, Matthew Henry, when he talks about death here. This really fit with today, I felt like. He says, death is not only a conquered enemy, verse 14, but death is a reconciled friend. That's verse 15. Not sent to hurt the soul or separate it from the love of God, but to put an end to all their grievances and complaints and to then give them a passage to eternal life and blessedness so that to them death is not now in the hand of Satan, but in the hand of Christ. Death is not Satan's servant, but is Christ's servant. And man, as I read that, that just kind of, may not do it for you, but that kind of brought Christmas to life for me. Why did he come? He came to break the power of sin in my life, and he came to deliver me not only from the second death, hell, but the fear of how I'm going to face that first death. And so it's a doorway through which we enter eternal life, and yet many people live as slaves still yet under the fear of death. You know, I asked you earlier, are you afraid of dying? And it didn't look like anybody was really afraid of that. And when we start talking about how other people have died, we might start saying, well, I am a little bit, I'd rather not go like that. You know, that may stir up a little worry or anxiety as we think things through. But Jesus came, listen, that's a reality on this planet, right? But Jesus came to remove the fear of that reality. And in his place to put hope and confidence that death doesn't belong to Satan. It's now Christ's servant for the believer and it's going to usher us in to our home. You know, we sing this song. We proclaimed it here this morning. Hark the herald angels sing. That last verse said, Come desire of nations, come. Uh, was it fixing us thy humble home? Rise the woman's conquering seed. Did you catch that? 
Rise, the woman's conquering seed. That's rise in us. This conquering seed, the one who's defeated death and who removes the fear of death or defeated the power of Satan, bruise in us the serpent's head. Right? So put your image in its place. Remove those things that stir my heart to fear or to worry or to doubt. Rise, the woman's conquering seed in my life. So Jesus came, took on flesh to defeat the power of Satan and to relieve us of the fear of death so that we can face death with confidence, not with fear. All right. And then let's go three here this morning. Jesus has also come in this progression to help us as we're tempted. He came to die, and we'll get to that as we make our way through this series. But initially here, he's conquered the power of Satan. He's relieved the fear of death. And now as we navigate this life between this breath and our last, what he's promised is that I walk with you, right? And I will help you. Wasn't it the psalmist David who said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God has promised through breaking the power of Satan, through relieving us of the fear of death, to help us between this point and that death point. All right? However we're tempted, whatever we face as we walk here, his promise is, I walk this with you. Now, that's not to say that Jesus had to come and take on flesh before he could help us. It's not that he was sitting in heaven or wherever he was before he took on flesh going, man, I can't help these people until I become a human. No, but he was now able, the Bible says, to sympathize with us and our weaknesses because he's experienced those as well. You know, some of you in this room, you've had people really close to you pass away. And so you could talk to somebody else in this room who's had the same experience and there's kind of a kindred spirit there. Because you've shared the same experience. Does that make sense? Some of you in this room, you've been in war. And you've faced and heard bombs exploding and bullets flying by your head. You've faced the reality of being killed. I haven't faced that. But I love when you see these veterans get together. And the camaraderie that they have, even though they may never have met one another until that moment. Because they've had a shared experience. I felt that pain. I know what it is to have somebody who was a part of our troop be killed. I know what it is to wonder if I'm coming home. I know what it is to have that feeling in my gut like, can I really, in an act of war, shoot this gun at somebody? Some of you have experienced that. So there's a kindredness there. There's an ability to sympathize. Some of you have lost a job. Right? And for those who've never lost a job, they've always had the job that they always wanted. It makes it hard. They may sympathize in the sense of like, oh, I'm sorry for you and try to help. But for somebody who's been through that process, right, there's a, there's a connection. I know what you're going through and I can help you with that. 
You know, I've listened to my sister-in-law Kelly talk before about her mom died when she was real young and she didn't think that was fair. But God's given her opportunity to talk and help other people whose moms have died when they were young. And my brother and Kelly, have, they had a, a, a son die, a twin die when he was three months old. And it was horrible. And for me, I got the news in the shower and just face down in the shower, just angry. How dare you treat my brother that way, my sister that way? But I don't know that pain. And yet they still make their way back to that NICU and champagne and they visit with people who are sitting there and they're sitting in these rooms like this. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. And people who don't believe in God are praying their hearts out that there is a God who can help. They've been through something so they can sympathize with their pain. So Jesus didn't just sit in heaven and look down and go, man, that stinks. He took on flesh. And it says he was tempted in every way that we are. And yet he did it without sin. And he came so in part that he could sympathize with our weaknesses. I've been there. I know that pain. I identify with that hurt, that sorrow. And I'll help you with that. And so in verse 18... The author says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And this is a promise. And I like verse 16 because it puts it, it gives a little exclamation point, at least in my mind. It says, for, what's the next word? Surely. For surely. It's not angels that he helps. That's not why he came. Surely he came to help Abraham's descendants. Anybody blessed because of the promise given to Abraham? Anybody in this room at all blessed because of the promise given back in the book of Genesis? That all nations of the world will be blessed through the line of Abraham. And what's it say? For surely he will aid, he will support, he's able to comfort, to help the descendants of Abraham in their time of need. That's a great word to me. Lots of great words here this morning, but surely is just kind of a, that's one of those concrete words you can just bank on. Surely he is here to help. So as you and I face temptations, what he's going to do, he's going to give you some strength to withstand that temptation, whatever it is, or struggle or trial. That's his promise to you. Why did he come? Because he wants to help you. Right? Why did he come? Because he wants to help me. And he's done that by defeating the power of Satan, which then will usher in the way for us to have the ability to overcome things like the fear of death and every temptation we face on this planet. And so as we suffer, as we struggle, his promise is, I'll bring you comfort. You don't walk this alone. You can. You want to take me out of the equation? Okay. I'm not going to force my way into your heart. I'm not going to make myself be the ruler in your life. But if you'll humble yourself and welcome me in, I'll comfort you. I'll guide you. I'll settle you. I'll take your worry and give you peace. All right? I'll take your brokenness and give you comfort. I'll take your burden and I'll give you some relief. I'll take your guilt and I'll give you some freedom. That's things that he's promising. 
here in this text. And he also promised elsewhere through the Apostle Paul that when we have too much to bear, when we're tempted to the point where it's too much, he said, I'll show you a way out. I'll show you a way out. That's the kind of God we have. All right? So you're feeling the weight. You're feeling stretched, overwhelmed beyond measure. God's getting ready to show you a way out. So you just got to pray. Look to him. Share with him what's going on. Trust him. He's going to walk with you through it. Or he's going to open a door and help you find a way out. That's his promise. Because he's able to do so. Because he came. Now, wouldn't it be nice if he just removed the ability to be tempted? Would you take that? It's a pretty good exchange. I'll take salvation and in its place you can no longer be tempted. Sin nature is forever gone. Satan can't touch you whatsoever. All you have is complete bliss, joy. You experience nothing hard. It's just always good. Everything works in your favor. And his word says that even through difficulty. But what if we could do that without all the difficulty? Anybody take that? Yeah, I'd take that. But he didn't say, I've come to remove your temptation. I've come to help you through it. See, when I'm tempted, it reminds me, I can't do this on my own. You know, sometimes I think I'm growing pretty well as a Christian. Hey, God, I don't need you on this one. I got it covered. And I try to handle that struggle or test or trial on my own. And the only thing that happens is, ooh, I fail. It's kind of like when you play the game Candyland and you're making your way up through it. You guys played Candyland before? It's got different spots on the board where if you land on it, it sends you way back. And so you're making your way through and you're trying to win and you're trying to finish the game and you're giving it, it's fun, it's enjoyable, and then you land on a difficulty and it's like, oh man, like 20 steps backwards. When I tell God, hey, I got this covered, I'm just setting myself up to take a few steps backwards. And he's willing to back away and go, okay, this is going to be hard to watch, but it's also going to be good for you because it's going to teach you that you need me. If he had removed our temptation, we'd think, well, we can do it on our own. Why did we need God to begin with? We tend to be people who easily forget. But he's left it there to remind us that he's our helper and to look to him. So knowing these things and knowing the challenges that we're going to face as temptations come, we're promised help. We're promised support as we navigate life in this pathway, ultimately, to victory. So did Jesus come in a manger? Yeah, he did. Were there shepherds there? Yeah, there were shepherds there. You know, a couple years later or so, we find the wise men making their way. There's a star. Lots, there's a, the story's awesome, isn't it? I mean, that just, I love the story of Christ coming, how he came. But as we look at why he came, man, it, it just touches that deeper chord, at least in my soul it does. He came to confirm some things. He came to conquer so that you and I can win as well, day in and day out. On our end, it's to trust in him, to look to him initially as our Savior and to call out to him to help us navigate trials, struggles, temptations. 
And so he is a conqueror this morning. And what I just simply wonder is this, is he your conqueror? Has he conquered for you? Yes. Is he your conqueror is a different question. Have you trusted in him as your only hope? Right? I've got no other argument. You know that song? I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And when you come to that realization, you're beginning to understand what your conquering king has done for you. He's conquered the power of Satan so you could be forgiven. And what he has said to us is, confess your sin, repent of these things, turn to me as the Lord of your life, and I will save you. I'll make my home in you. I'll work to remove the fear of death that you have, and I'll walk with you every step of the way. Understanding you're not going to get it right every time. I am, not me, him, but I'm going to stay with you, and I'll help you, and I'm here for you. Maybe there's a fear in your life that you're facing. Maybe you're a believer, but you say, man, I just need him. I need this to be conquered in my life. For the believer, there shouldn't be anything that has conquered us except the grace of Christ, the love of God that we read about in Scripture this morning, that we sang about, the wonder of all, just to think that God loves me. Nothing then should be able to conquer me. Isn't that what Romans 8 said? We are more than conquerors, right, through him who loved us. Maybe you're being conquered by something today. I want to encourage you, symbolically put it in your hands and give it to God. This is winning in my life right now. This is ruling my heart right now. This is just affecting my attitude right now. This is wrecking my world right now, and I can't get over it. And I can't see a way out of it. And so I'm asking you, God, help me through it. And you keep praying that it won't be long where you and I can have a conversation and you'll say, and God saw me through. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but he's promised to walk with you. He is your conqueror this morning.